episodes. First time I've worn a hat mm. for an episode, so it makes this another special one. Here on episode 31 of Black Cut, cut, cut. cut. <laughs> it's 32. This is why I do the intros. That's crazy. Enjoy. That's crazy. Brings to every intro here on episode 32 of the Block to Block podcast. The best podcast in the world for all things Web3. Here you break down the technology, what's going on in the market, and the ways in which you can benefit. I am NFT and Jai. And I am Web3 Wayne. And the talk is different. It's a conspiracy, man. It's a conspiracy. I know it's episode 31. It's I just, 32. I just know it in my in my bones. In my bones. It's a conspiracy, man. They they conspirizing against me. Conspiring. Conspiring. Conspirizing. Conspirizing. Shut but you know <laughs> what 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 helps with conspiracies? A disclaimer. And we just got to let y'all know that this podcast is for informational purposes only. Uh, this is not financial advice. We just going to say it plain and clear today. So listen, if you lose your cheese, cheddar, mozzarella, provolone, that is on you. We are in no way responsible for you losing your money. But definitely take our information and go talk with a financial advisor or any other financial professional. Go get your bread. Just don't take Anything we say as financial advice. And with that, let's get ready to podcast. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, people gonna people gonna watch this. They're gonna be like, you know, they started off, you know, they was kind of iffy, and then they got good, and now they just got lame. Like right, like <laughs> corny with it. <laughs> corny sells anyway. Man, how are you feeling today, Web3 Wayne? Man, it's another beautiful day, man. You know, celebrating the little wins. I feel like that's something that it, it, it takes some time in life, uh, especially time as entrepreneurs to realize it really is important to, to celebrate the little wins. Uh, so feeling, feeling celebratory, feeling celebratory, man. Um, for those of you who do not know, NFT and Jai and I have been a part of the Bank of America Breakthrough Labs Accelerator. It has been an amazing experience. Mm -hmm. uh, our company, Relink, was a part of a beautiful journey alongside 16 other startups spanning across the world, including the U.S., all the coasts in there, East Coast, West Coast, the Third Coast. Uh, we had Mexico, France you know, London, um, so many great companies represented in that program. Um, and it really, really was a blessing to, to be a part of it. Um, and, and, you know, shout out to NFT and Jai. He, uh, he pushed us to go to a, a couple conferences last year. And, you know, that has uh, really just resulted in, in grew into some, some beautiful relationships, including this one that, that we developed with the you know the folks that that lead up the Bank of America Breakthrough Last program, so man, it, it it was a beautiful time, man. It was a beautiful experience. Um, I think I'm still processing. You know, it feels unreal right. that we've gone through that 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 program. Um, so you know, to be on the other side, I'm I'm still 
like next Tuesday, I'm, I'm probably gonna catch a heart attack at at three fifteen. Like, oh, oh wait, am I late for class? You know, like, um, so yeah, that's that's how I'm feeling. How you feeling in the TNGI? What's what's going on? Man, I'm great. I'm extremely blessed, grateful for that blessing of our experience. Right, we've been able to just really. Getting the opportunity to connect with so many amazing founders. I'm just reflected upon just founders from all diverse backgrounds. And one thing to note, if you haven't already, you know, this was the second cohort of the Breakthrough Lab um, Accelerator Program focused on like fintech, but really any tech enabled venture who whose founders are like diverse founders. So like, as we know, when it comes to like tech as a whole, it's not very diverse. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the workforce, right, like only 27% of the of um, employees for fintech are like Black and Latinx. And then when it comes to like the startup side in terms of who receives the venture capital or funding to like really grow their ventures, these stats are abysmal, right? Like we have collectively, I believe I last heard a little over 3% of like VC funds go to, you know, people of color and women, right? So to be in a program by a large institution, you know, Bank of America, I've been banking with them since I was 16, right? So for them to be in a position where they're pouring into our ventures in all different stages, right? We had some people who were like earlier than us, some people who were further along with us, but all together, we were all able to gain tremendous momentum by being in this program. So extremely grateful for that experience. It was cool. Some some gems that we learned from that is one, it is important to go outside. And the reason for this is because as Derek mentioned, we went to a conference last summer it, up in um, Brooklyn. It was the Black Women Talk Tech Conference. You know, we just put on a couple of wigs on and snuck in, but not a choice. He's mad, dude. But you know, in that conference, we was able to meet with just like the team behind the Breakthrough Lab. You know, like from the directors, executive sponsors to the program coordinators, and just have a very great and authentic conversation with them. And then from there, we was able to apply. You know, we was, we got in. You know, they had 140 applicants. Only 17 companies made the cut, and it was incredible so always be outside and network 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 because you never know where these relationships will land you another thing the power of the pitch telling your story in a manner that is very powerful it conveys a message it really conveys your vision is a crucial skill you know shout out to f3 wayne last year for my birthday he got me this book called the story factor which i read this year I read it, but it helped a lot when it came to our pitch, where we was able to really tell that relink story in a manner that was truly effective, truly instrumental. And, you know, we gained a lot of positive reception on our pitch that we was able to do. So, yeah, just a couple of gems, you know, always be outside, learn how to tell your story and just be out there. And shout out to the good folks of Bank of America. Shout out to the Breakthrough Lab cohort and the staff record label and crew <laughs> had to get corny there at this at the end because i was thinking about you do okay 
Don't make that face. We're not gonna. No, run. no, no, no. I mean, it's cool. It's cool. You know, I, He's I like, it. okay, way to ruin a moment, Mama do. But yeah, shout out, shout out to everybody at Bank of America. Like that, it has been just a great journey. And with that, I think it's time to get into the show and just really get back to this web free game. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So. Here in the U.S., you know, we want to talk about developers for a second, right? Apparently, the U.S., the United States, is losing ground on their share of the blockchain developer market. What do we mean by this, right? So as we look at just the total number of engineers, software engineers who are like blockchain developers, so individuals who, you know, code and create these smart contracts and work on these ecosystems like your Bitcoin networks, Ethereum networks, Cardano's, Polygon's, what have you. The U.S. used to have the by far the largest share, and that has been steadily shrinking. So Electric Capital, which is a VC fund, has found in a study that for the last five years, the U.S. has been losing 2% of blockchain developers, uh, 2% of the blockchain developer market share like consecutively for the last five years. And now the U.S. only has 29% of this market. And not to say that 29% isn't significant, but no longer do we have the number one position. Now we're tied with Europe, the continent of Europe at 29%. After Europe and the U.S., we have Asia at 13%. Wow. And so a very interesting trend which we'll get back to as it ties to earlier episodes but you know at the end of 2022 the number of active open source software engineers mm -hmm. you know the individuals who are like doing all this programming it yeah. those rows grew to a number of 23,343 despite you know what was happening with crypto with like prices dropping all these big explode implosions and what have you we saw like this significant number of developers who are focused on blockchain development. And he was gone for the second left group, Wayne. We got to bring my you bad. back. My bad, my bad. Yeah, so, but, but, um, yeah, so we, we've seen, like, this current number of developers who are in this role of being, like, blockchain developers. And Electric Capital also estimates that by 2030, though, we should have just a huge spider growth of these number of roles and have 1 million blockchain-related open-source developer jobs in total, right? So that's seven years from now. We should go from 23,000-type positions to, like, a, a boatload of opportunity. But okay. the big question is... Why is the U.S. seeing a decline with their overall share of blockchain developers? Because you got to remember, this is a key part of the race of innovation. Who can be the most innovative when it comes to this new wave of technology? Okay. And the reason that is being point to blame is the fact that we do not have a clear regulatory stance when it comes to the world of crypto and Web3. As we all know, we've been saying this for really since episode one, 
you know, currently in, within the United States, there isn't a strong comprehensive crypto framework or like a set of laws that says this is how we treat everything as it relates to crypto assets and Web3, right? Kind of the opposite of what's going to what's happening right now in Europe in which with the Mika legislation, they're going to be really defining everything and having a comprehensive framework. We're just not at that point. But we do have our regulatory bodies of the SEC and CFTC, you know, doing these enforcement actions against large cryptocurrency focused organizations like a Coinbase or Binance or what have you. What are we seeing in the news? And speaking of Coinbase, on their blog, they really summarized this um, problem with this statement. The U.S. is now losing market share to regions with more regulatory clarity and openness to crypto innovation like Europe and Asia, as well as emerging markets like Latin America, India, and Africa. So it goes back to what we always say about the importance of your overall macro environment. With us not having that very clear stance on how we want to like treat Web3 or crypto assets altogether. And then we see these other markets who are like being a lot more open with it, right? Like we talked about past episodes where we see certain cities like Hong Kong who want to be a digital hub. We have the EU um, who wants to have their own blockchain network altogether. And then here in the United States, we have this kind of antagonistic type relationship and just uncertainty for you, the blockchain developer who wants to like gain more exposure, get into these communities, do dope projects and get a bag, you're going to look globally. And so because of this, we've been seeing this steady decline. 2%, if you lose 2%, like within five years, that's a top 10% decline. So we went from like 39% to 29% of the market share. Mm. No es bueno, man. No es bueno. Not at all. Just a couple of takeaways, though. As we, you know, within the years to come, we're going to have a more solid understanding or framework. And in addition to that, there's a million jobs that are possibly going to be open by 2030. So there's an opportunity for this country to capture a larger slice of the market like beforehand. But who cares about that? We want to talk about the ways in which you can benefit. And so with this, one big thing for you, the viewer, is, you know, especially have some experience with like coding or development, like look into becoming a blockchain developer, right? There's going to be an explosion of jobs within the next seven years. But right now, there's only 23,000 folks who specialize in this area. So when there's scarcity, the price goes up. It's the opportunity for you to gain the skills and insight to make you an expert early on before we've seen this huge influx of more positions. And you can be in a position where you can get compensated very well and be at the frontier of this new technological innovation. So shout out to Sean to Seven Streams, the developer who's been working with us. You know, he came on last month to talk about his developer skills course you know we are planning on doing like a part two to that next week on next episode and you know that's something that we want to continue to the 
keep shepherding along, right? Just like really high level overview of like some of the key insights or skills you want to develop as you become a Web3 developer or a blockchain related developer. But yeah, definitely use as an opportunity. Another thing, you know, this episode really ties in well with episode 31 from last week, because as we mentioned, Europe and Asia has like the two largest share of the market when it comes to blockchain developers, right? You know, Europe being tied with the U.S. at 29% and Asia at 13%. And we talked about how the EU wants to develop their own blockchain network that can compete with an Ethereum. There could be opportunity there. Also, yeah. Hong Kong wants to be the digital hub, especially like the crypto hub within Asia. There's opportunity there. You got to stay global. The earth is your turf. You know, keep your eyes to opportunity and gain the skill set so you can be in a position where you can do well from an experience standpoint and from a monetary standpoint. And that's all I have to say about that story. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially in this remote environment. I mean, mm. you know, being a developer especially is, is one where, <clears throat> you know, there isn't really a lot of limitations on where you can work or where you need to be to execute your job. So I think you make a, a great point of, you know, hey, this is something that is very early. Um, the earth is your turf with this one. Um, but even to the vein of, you know, being early, man, 23,000 is, is such a low number, you know, it's yeah. com compared to, you know, I would be interested to see like, what's the total number of developers worldwide, right? Like, let's see, in the world, 26.9 million software developers as of 2021. Mm -hmm. And only 23,000 of them are versed in Web3 technology, right? And, and this was, that's a stat from 2021. So they, that, you know, that number may have grown over the, the past year. Um, and so, man, it's, it's crazy to think that, you know, I mean, I've, I've heard people say this like, oh, but you know, I'm late to, it's like, man, if only you know, like you're, you're nowhere near that, right? It's just a matter of, yeah, you may have missed the hype cycle. Um, I've seen certain things talking about like the age of easy money. There's definitely a lot of easy money being thrown around the past few years, um, but you're nowhere near being late to the, the game, you know, mm -hmm. and it's more so getting in the game um, and once you're in there, you just gotta get in where you fit in. You'll 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 find a way to to you know find your way. Um, yeah, so I hardly agree. Appreciate you that for that uh, that article, you know, and for that story. <clears throat> and, you know, I think I want to get into into a quick take. I know it's been a while since you know I've done a quick take for the for the people. Um, so let's let's get into it. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about a company called Polytrade, and Polytrade is uh, a company that that is launching a protocol that aims to streamline supply chains through real time data. And they've raised three point eight million dollars in a seed round, led by Alpha Wave Matrix Partners and Polygon Ventures, as well as CoinSwitch Ventures. 
the firm has previously been backed by Polygon's co-founder, Sandeep Nawal, um, as well as QuickSwap's co-founder, Sameep Singhania, um, among others. Um, but their CEO, Payush Gupta, uh, said that the biggest challenge in the global supply chain is the lack of transparency. You know, the manual processes, the paperwork, you would be surprised if you submit a document in a bank in India, they still ask you to sign the document, uh, sign the document with the ink-based signature. It's a lot of manual labor. So mm -hmm. Payush really saw an opportunity uh, to innovate the global supply chain. Um, that's something that, that we've explored as well and looked at in terms of blockchain being a solution when it comes to supply chain. And there really is a big, big opportunity there. Definitely keep your eyes on, on this here because supply chain is probably one of the best use cases for this blockchain technology because of how it also integrates with uh, other technologies like IoT, which can which will also have some effect um, in, in you know some innovation for the global supply chain. Um, so the, the this platform in particular, Polytrade, aims to provide small and mid mid-sized enterprises and large corporations as well with access to working capital, financing, and invoices. The platform has had about 2 million invoices to date. So in 2023, in this upcoming year, it expects its trade financing book size to touch uh, $50 million. And next year is looking at liquidity of 200 million into its lending protocol. And all trading ecosystem volume should cross $1 billion. So he, he's seeing a lot of opportunity, but not just opportunity, growth within the trade market. And whenever you see numbers like that, best believe that those numbers are not siloed. Uh, those are not numbers that you know are just his company. Um, that is where opportunity lies. And there's ways to you know, maybe find solutions that are uh, you know, tangential to uh, polytrade. And, you know, who knows, you know, you, you may be able to, to get a slice of that pie and, and think, hey, you know, I've, I've worked in supply chain. Let me explore this blockchain thing and see how we can innovate and bring real solutions to the world of global trade. Um, so long term, polytrade plans to continue building various models that bring the entire trading supply system onto the blockchain. So definitely keep an eye out for Polytrade. They're doing big things. Congratulations on your $3.8 million seed financing round, fundraising round. Now that's nothing short of a great feat. Um, and we'll be keeping our eye out for, you know, more great businesses like Polytrade and what Polytrade does in the upcoming year. And with that, that's our quick take for the day. Fire, fire. You know, one thing I love about doing block to block is just the opportunity to learn about the creative ways, the innovative ways, and the impactful ways that Web3 technology or blockchain technology is being used to solve real world problems. Because to your point, there's no reason why in 2023 we should be doing anything antiquated, manual, super laborious type tasks, right? You would Everything think so. should be available in a click of a button. I mean, if I can get a taxi ride, if I can get food and all that stuff by just going on my phone, yeah. 
you know, a few buttons. Why is it that when it comes to major logistics, when it comes to global trade, that can't be streamlined or seamless as well? So it's very important. And that's why this show is really dope and why you should always like, comment, subscribe, and share with all your loved ones. And if you're listening on audio, give that five-star review and share it out. Yeah. Because of stories like this, you just get to learn so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And as we speak about systems that need a facelift, that needs Uh-oh. to be changed, Uh-oh. to go down to Dr. Miami, Uh-oh. we got to talk about the banking system in Africa and how Bitcoin is poised to disrupt this $86 billion industry. Dude. So before we get into that, let me take you to Ghana back in December 2022, where we had Jack Dorsey, the f- founder and former CEO of Twitter, speak at the inaugural Africa Bitcoin conference. And there he spoke about how Bitcoin has the has the potential to disrupt industries and transform alternatives for the continent's existing financial system and bitcoin brings financial power to people who otherwise would have none right with that we i wanted to go about the picture of like how banking the africa kind of works anybody who is in the continent or is like a first generation african american like myself we all know from personal experience how tough it is to send money throughout the continent back home. I can think about how many times where you, like oftentimes, right, before we even had Zelle, you just wired some some bread to like another bank account. It got there within like a couple of days, it was good. When it comes to sending remittances, which is a fancy term for bread or capital back home, oftentimes you have to go to these organizations like a Western Union, find out what the exchange rate was, pay hefty, hefty fees to send it to somebody and hope and praise it gets to that person within like a designated few days. That person has to either have somebody else or them themselves go to that Western Union location, which could be miles from where they live. Like it's not easy and it's a very frustrating process and unfortunately that's how banking is within the continent when it comes to sending payments across the borders right internally just banking domestically there's a myriad of issues right commercial bank branches have limited access and oftentimes you know especially in like more rural areas people don't have the means to like go to the actual branch themselves when it comes to the payment framework, right? Like cross-border payments, it's very quasi-colonial, right? 80% of cross-border payments are done in Europe and Africa, which leads to higher costs for consumers and longer processing times that can take weeks. And so at banking in Africa is just very difficult in general. And there have been some cool technological alternatives over the years like in the early 2000s we've seen the raise of mobile money which is you just have a phone it doesn't even have to be a smartphone with a number associated with it and with that you can receive funds you can receive the money to like pay bills send to people 
this, that, and the third. And mobile money has actually been really huge in the continent with 55% of the adults in sub-Saharan Africa using it. But the problem with mobile money is you don't get all the benefits that you would with a bank, such as earning interest, having like insured accounts, right? Like how we had over here with FDIC insured accounts, or even the ability to build credit. And once again, going back to like your alternatives, like your Western Union, so your money grams, they really dominate the market. And because it's a tough business model to do, and so you got to deal with these exorbitant fees. But Bitcoin has the potential to really turn this industry on its head. Because as we know, with cryptocurrency and Bitcoin in particular, all you need is access to the internet and your own little crypto wallet. And voila, you can receive cryptocurrency without any intermediary party really getting in the way of approving transactions, blocking transactions, or keeping you from your money. And what's really cool is we have Lightning Network, which is the layer two solution to the Bitcoin blockchain. So similar to how Polygon is the layer two solution to Ethereum, Lightning Network works to really make the transaction costs on the Bitcoin network much lower, virtually zero, and enable instantaneous cash payments, meaning... If let's say I'm based in Senegal and Derek is based in Cameroon, like through the help of like the lightning network um, technology and really like a lightning network enabled wallet, I can send him currency like that, like instantaneously. And there's no need for like any banks, intermediaries, high transaction costs or processing fees. We right? should we should test that out right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So um, we'll test it out with you sending me. Ah, uh, uh, see, I got a checking in the savings on my money in the savings to take. Give me that water address. I, I'm going to see. <laughs> oh, man. See, I got a hard water and a cold wallet. It takes three to five business days for. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so that's that's what's really exciting, right? Right now, the current banking system within the continent is super antiquated. It's not consumer friendly. It's slow and it's costly. But Lightning Network, true to this name, can be a fast, low cost and easy solution to implement. And a lot of the major Web3 players that are based in Africa are looking to implement it into what they do. So we have Yellow Card, for example, right, which is Africa's largest crypto exchange. They said that they're looking to integrate Lightning Network into their platform to drive down transaction costs. And then we have another company, Bitnob, which is founded by like a Nigerian entrepreneur. And, you know, Bitnob's really dope because their app specifically lets users across Africa buy, save and invest in Bitcoin. And they have like a system for like sending money like cross border, right? And they use like a combination of like what we know with like the money mobile systems that many Africans use and SMS. And so what they did was they teamed up with Strike, which is a Lightning Networks payment platform to launch their send globally feature. And so through this partnership, they allowed it for Americans like ourselves to transfer money to people in Nigeria, 
Ghana, and Kenya. And once again, through the use of the Lightning Network, it's instantaneous payments. Gone are the days in which I got to send it to Western Union and you got to wait such such amount of time in order to get that funds. It's right then, super instantaneous. And it's really cool because on one end, let's say I'm in the U.S., I can just send you fiat dollars with like U.S. currency. And Bitcoin is being used on like the back end to like make this money jump cross-border really quickly. And then the end user will receive their own fiat. So let's say it's going to Nigeria, you're going to get your Naira, right? I send dollars, you get you get Naira. It happens instantaneously. And, you know, what happens is BitNob is, you know, working on the back end to exchange that currency from like US dollars to Bitcoin to Naira. And they're assuring like all of this happens very seamlessly. And there's many, many more companies doing similar things, but all together, what we're seeing is a true financial revolution. This is really what Bitcoin was meant to do, right? When it was introduced back in 2008, we took it to the next level with like, looking into like blockchain technologies and bring out innovations like NFTs, metaverse, DAOs, and what have you. But at the end of the day, the true essence of Bitcoin is inclusion to the financial system, ensuring that anybody, no matter where you're from or where you're based, can have access to just finances that to ensure your livelihood. And with that, I know I said a lot, but I want to sum over some quick takeaways couple of takeaways. Layer, layer twos are a major key player when it comes to Web3 because they make the layer one blockchain networks so much more efficient. And they are the ones that are really leading to like the mass adoption. So once again, think about Polygon. Like we talk about Polygon all the time and how they're the layer two to Ethereum. The fact that we have the Lightning Network, which is the layer two to Bitcoin, is nothing to overlook, right? Because remember, Bitcoin is the largest player when it comes to market share, when it comes to crypto. And for years, like we've been talking about, like how do we make Bitcoin more efficient? Like how can we see Bitcoin being used in other ways? Like how Ethereum is being used when it comes to dApps. Lightning, the Lightning Network may be a key player in that, right? And remember, like Web3 Wayne talked about in earlier episodes, how like, the Bitcoin NFTs for ordinals. And now we have light, the Lightning Network and it making Bitcoin a lot more of an efficient, low cost, quick payment system. You, you can start to see the wheels turn, right? So another takeaway, you know, Bitcoin is the king crypto for a reason. It's become a lot more efficient. There's a lot more energy and innovation being put into place. So it may behoove you to look into seeing Perhaps you want to add Bitcoin to your long-term portfolio. Once again, not financial advice, but just some of the key things to look at. You know, look at these large populist blockchain networks, see what layer twos made of this, and see how those layer twos are being adopted by mass society and mass industries. That's how you know if the blockchain is going to be here to stay. And with that, I bring it back to you, Web3 Wayne. Yeah, Lightning Network still has uh, some UX issues that we won't uh, we won't get into here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not that's not for this show. That's, that's that's not exactly what we'll be covering today. 
but very important technology. Um, something that's, that's absolutely going to keep propelling Bitcoin as a uh, you know foundational piece as we move into this 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 future uh, with you know Web three crypto NFTs blockchains all being an integral part of our society. So excited um, to see where that goes. Um, and speaking of where this this industry can go, it would behoove us not to build upon a previous episode and a previous topic with news as big as this. And yes, we're talking about our good people out in Hong Kong who are continuing to move forward when it comes to Web3 and supporting that ecosystem. And especially in Hong Kong, they really want to reestablish themselves as the FinTech center of the East, more specifically of China. Uh, so Hong Kong investors are launching a new $100 million fund called the Pro Digital Future Fund. It'll be aimed at backing early stage crypto and Web3 companies. Uh, this fund has already raised at least $30 million in funding and plans to bag an additional $70 million by the end of the year. Uh, so they've already invested in six digital asset ventures, including the Hong Kong-based metaverse firm Gigaspace and Australian digital sports club One Future Football. It's very interesting, uh, the digital sports club, neither here nor there. But as we can see, Hong Kong continues to be very aggressive when it comes to Web3 and very aggressive in terms of its strategy for bringing in Web3 companies, right? Uh, you know, they're, they're really looking to cultivate those local crypto startups and firms and really just transform the city into a regional fintech and crypto hub uh, following the, the, the three very tough years that China has had um, and Hong Kong has had because of COVID, right? They very recently uh, relaxed their COVID zero policies. Um, and so we're seeing them now come out on the other side, being very aggressive. This is alongside some other news that uh, I'm sure maybe some of you have been following where uh, China and Russia, um, as well as I want to say Brazil is another country that is in there, Brazil, South Africa. Um, they're, they're, huh? BRICS countries. The, the BRICS countries, yep. They've uh, all agreed to trade in, in you know, uh, a currency that is not the U.S. dollar. Uh, more specifically, the yuan, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so, you know, China is being very aggressive when it comes to taking over as the superpower. And, you know, this is just another way, right? They, they feel as though Web3 is the technology of the future. Um, and they want to make sure that, that they are the, the leaders in that space. Um, and with Hong Kong being the financial center that it is globally, it only makes sense that now they are pushing and funding and financing the companies that will lead Hong Kong into the future. Um, so this has been great news for those Web3 startups. Um, I think this is great news for the Hong Kong ecosystem as a whole. Um, we'll, we'll get into some more of the, the takeaways. Um, but, you know, it, it's really not all, you know, cherries and, and, and uh, daisies and blossoms and all good feelings, you know. Yeah, some 
Some people are concerned that, you know, Hong Kong's aggressive support for crypto projects could backfire, right? We, we've seen the things that have happened with FTX, uh, SVB, Signature Bank. Um, all of those have been a result of this Web3, uh, you know, onslaught that, you know, has been great, has been revolutionary, that has led to, you know, a lot of money being made for a lot of people. But now you see the after effects, you see the blowback. And so some people are, you know, are concerned that that can be the case, um, as well as, you know, with the China being the country that it is, um, you know, at times policies um, may not be what they seem, right? At, at the end of the day, uh, it is not a democracy. Um, so, you know, there, there are things that come with that. So you may be drawn in by the money, but not necessarily understand the legal landscape of being in a country like China, um, especially in a place like Hong Kong, which has a very complicated history. Um, and so those are some of the things you just have to consider. Uh, if you are considering, you know, Hong Kong as a place that you would want to go to look for financing and possibly set up shop, right? Um, and so one, one company to spotlight is OKX, which is one of the biggest exchanges in the world by trading volume. They did set up an entity in Hong Kong um, and said that they're applying for a virtual asset service provider license. So a VASP license is something that you need to have to operate as a crypto exchange in China. Um, and so OKX is going after this. Um, and really, OKX would be one of the first major crypto com uh, companies that could um, and would obtain a VASP license. Uh, so something to also look into um, is that license if you are considering that ecosystem to settle down in. Uh, just some, some takeaways that, that we have from this article and, and what we've seen over the last you know, few weeks to the last few months um, we've seen the UAE, you know, more namely Abu Dhabi come out and start a Web3 fund, um, believe, believe it's what, $2 billion, $2 billion fund um, in the UAE. Um, and now we're seeing Hong Kong come through with a $100 million fund solely for, for early stage, you know, Web3 and crypto startups, right? Um, so it, it shows that, you know, if you are a Web3 company, there are... Uh, places that are, are still pushing forward. There's places to find financing and funding. Um, I think, you know, the U.S. is a tough environment right now. Um, but I think, you know, as things start to, to settle down and, and the smoke clears, we'll see a lot of funding go towards Web3 again um, in, in this, you know, country as well. Uh, I think, you know, just as any company, right, whether you're Web3 or not, um, whether you're, you know, crypto native, Web3 native, or you're a non-native, which just means that, you know, you operate within Web2 and now you're exploring Web3, um, you know, you still have to be considerate of the legal and geopolitical landscape, um, right? We've talked about the macroeconomic uh, indicators and, and what that means, right, the macroeconomic risk, uh, but you just, you, you really have to understand what's going on. Uh, especially if you're looking outside of a country that you're familiar with, um, you really have to, to do your homework or find somebody uh, that can help you do your homework to understand that landscape and understand truly what you're getting into. Um, and lastly, maybe the most important thing, 
It's always good to stay on top of the latest news in the market to find the opportunities that are going over other people's head. Yes, I am telling you to like, comment, share, and subscribe, and stay up to date with the latest in the Web3 market, because block to block, every single week, every single Thursday, we'll bring you that fire. We'll bring you the, the latest in the Web3 world. And with that, that is our last article for today fire 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 yeah you know there's a there's so much opportunity globally and i think an important lesson is oftentimes you will hear the doom and gloom in the news you hear oh crypto's a scam or the market's doing bad what have you but you have to always have a long-term picture and ask yourself, what's the application to industries, societies, governments? Yeah. The fact that many, okay, we'll hear this on a new cycle that crypto and crypto projects are underperforming, which is true because of the economy we're in right now. But why would governments like the EU look to... <laughs> develop their own blockchain network why would hong kong one of the biggest hubs within asia altogether focus on trying to make themselves into a crypto hub you know these are individuals who have all types of resources and fields in terms of getting information and making those kind of long-term strategic decisions that should right. tell you something right yeah and so it's very important that we stay very knowledgeable and we stay abreast of what we're doing, which is why even our end, we want to challenge ourselves to bring more global stories to block to block and not just be U.S. centered only because the earth is our turf and there's so much going on and we don't want to be left behind. For sure. For sure. But yeah, man, another great episode. Um, I think all of these stories are they, they, they're starting to, to come together and mesh together. You know, we're, we're kind of seeing a trend. So I'm um, excited to see for these upcoming episodes what we'll be looking at. Uh, excited to to hopefully have Sean back next week to, to give some more developer skill uh, training. And, yeah, I'm, I know I'm going to be tuned in for that one, man. I'm, I've been freshening up on my skills myself. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what he's, he's going to bring for the people next week. Most definitely. And if you want to kick it with us in person, come on, on April the 8th to our SIP Painted NFTs event. We're going to be working with Abstracts with Alexi and with Zate Knight to just curate an overall great, dope experience that's based upon vibes, fun, yes. and philanthropy. You know, we have a raffle going on where a winner will be able to get some artwork for, you know, as mm -hmm. a prize. But the proceeds for that would be going to a charity that's going to impact and help alleviate the suffering of those who've been impacted by the earthquake in Turkey. So definitely come on out. You know, the link to the ticket is in the description. You know, it's in Washington, D.C. on April the 8th from 1 to 4. Come on out. Show love. And yeah. yeah. And if you can't come out, purchase a raffle ticket. The proceeds are going to a great cause, as Mom do mentioned. So most definitely. But with that, another fire episode, 32 episodes, 32 straight weeks of straight fire. Still think it's a conspiracy, but 32 weeks of straight fire, I take it.
listen, you're going to look at the episode count and be like, oh, okay, I was wrong. <laughs> yep, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take that. Appreciate you guys. We love y'all. Love is love. Peace. Black is black to black. Out. <laughs>